The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 16th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus also said to his disciples, There was a rich man who had a manager, and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called him and said to him, What is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you can no longer be manager. And the manager said to himself, What shall I do, since my master is taking the management away from me? I am not strong enough to dig, and I am ashamed to beg. I have decided what to do, so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, How much do you owe my master? He said, A hundred measures of oil. He said to him, Take your bill and sit down quickly and write fifty. Then he said to another, And how much do you owe? He said, A hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, Take your bill and write eighty. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. One who is faithful in a very little is also faithful in much, and one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It was Judgment Day for the dishonest manager in our Gospel lesson this morning. It was Judgment Day. He was supposed to be serving the rich man by taking care of his property and his possessions. He was supposed to be a dutiful servant, making sure that everything was on the up and up, that everything was going well with his master's household. And then a charge was brought against him. This fellow's been wasting all your possessions, that charge said to the rich man. And so the rich man called the dishonest manager to him, and it was Judgment Day. It was time for him to give an account of all his deeds, and of course, he was found wanting. He was found to have wasted his master's possessions. When I hear this story, I always think, first of all, I wonder to myself, did he really think that he'd get away with it? Did he think that he could get by wasting his master's possessions and that he'd never be found out? I was thinking about that this week. I read about the great fraud perpetrated by Bernie Madoff this week. Maybe you remember that story. Did he think that he would get away with it, defrauding lots and lots of people out of billions of dollars over the course of decades? Did he think he would never be caught? Did this dishonest manager, did he think that he would never be caught? That's always my first reaction, but then when we read through the story, I'm always struck because I think that it's actually the wrong question to ask. He wasn't concerned about getting caught at all. The dishonest manager, in fact, simply didn't care. He didn't care about the rich man. He didn't care about his responsibilities. He was only interested in serving this fellow insofar as it helped him, insofar as it made him comfortable. Because you see, there are actually two masters 
in this story. We're clued into that at the very end of our lesson when Jesus says, you cannot serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other or hate the one and love the other. There are two masters in this story. The one, of course, is the rich man who's laying claim to this manager's service. But there's another master as well, and that is his own belly. That's how St. Paul would put it. This fellow, this dishonest manager, is serving his own belly, his own comfort, his own ease. He's selfish. He serves himself. And so when the question comes as to whether or not he cares about the master, the rich man's possessions, of course he doesn't. He knows who he serves, and it's himself. And he's quite content with that. And so when the day of judgment comes, there's no question in his mind about what should happen next. And it's inevitable that there would be a day of judgment. Whenever there are two masters that lay claim to someone's service, there inevitably comes a day of judgment. It will be the case that the master who is despised, the one who is hated, the one who is not being served with all the servant's heart, soul, strength, and mind, that master will be fed up. And like the rich man in our lesson today, he'll say, I've had enough. Give me an account of your service. You can't be my servant anymore if you're not actually going to serve me. It always happens that when there are two masters in play, there comes a day of judgment. Now what's remarkable about this story is that on that day of judgment, the dishonest manager has two options. He has two options, but the first option, he doesn't even consider at all. We don't hear about it in our lesson at all. His first option is very simple. It's to fall on his knees before the rich man and plead with him. To plead with him for mercy. Please, take me back into your service. I'm so very sorry. I've been a rotten servant. I'll do better. I'll try harder. I won't serve myself anymore. I'll serve you wholeheartedly. Please, take me back into your service. The dishonest manager could have done that. But he didn't. It didn't even enter into his mind because, of course, he didn't care about the rich man. He didn't care what he thought. He didn't care about the responsibilities that he was supposed to take care of. He didn't care a bit about that master. Instead, he cared about himself, his own belly. And so when he thinks about what's going to happen next, the options don't include groveling, but are things like this. Maybe I'll go to work in the fields. Maybe I'll dig. But you know what? That involves a lot of sweat and dirt. I don't feel like working that hard. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'll Think of something else. Maybe I'll sit on the street corner and beg. That sounds pretty good. I can sit around. Don't have to do anything all day long. I'll just hold out a hat and hope that somebody puts some money in there. But you know what? That doesn't serve me either because it'll hurt my pride. Time was running short, and he thought of a better option. I know what I'll do, he said. And he called one of his master's debtors who owed 100 measures of oil. And he said, look, you owe 100 measures of oil. Take your account and write down 50. And that fellow, of course, would probably have scratched his head a bit and said, what's going on here? And then realizing that his debt had just been written off, he'd say, thank you very much. If there's anything I can ever do for you, just let me know. Likewise with the fellow who owed 100 measures of wheat. When he found that his debt had been discounted by 20%, he would have said to that dishonest manager, look, if I can ever help you in any way, be sure to let me know. And by his dishonesty, he managed to secure for himself a future. By his dishonesty, he managed to serve incredibly well his own belly, his own comfort, his own selfish existence. He is a fantastic servant, not of the rich man, but of himself. Which leads to the startling sentence 
in this gospel lesson, a sentence that always throws us for a loop. We expect Jesus to say something kind of critical about the dishonest manager, something about being dishonest, about defrauding, about stealing money. But instead, what do we hear from the rich man in the story? He commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. He looked at him and said, yeah, you were an awful servant to me. You wasted my possessions and you can't be my servant anymore, but I have to give you some credit because you really love yourself. You're fantastic at being a scoundrel. You're incredible at serving yourself. You're single-minded and devoted. You're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to pursue your own good with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And although that makes you a scoundrel, you're really good at being a scoundrel. The rich man commended the dishonest manager because he was single-minded and devoted. He knew what he wanted and pursued it wholeheartedly. Jesus takes this parable and interprets it for us. And it's a hard lesson for you and me. This is what he says next. He says, The sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. The sons of this world are the people who live in this world as though this world is all there is. As though the, thing, the things you see, the things that we live for from day to day, are all there ever will be. That there's no future, no judgment day coming, no God to whom we must give account. They live for the things of this life. Things like money, which Jesus goes after particularly in our lesson. You can't serve God and money. But there are other things as well. Success, fame, popularity, power, health, family, friends. All of these things, the people of this world serve with dutiful heartfelt devotion, single-minded, with all their heart, soul, strength, and mind. Jesus says the people of this world are incredible and in knowing what they want and pursuing it with all their energy. But there's some criticism for the sons of light, for the people who have been born from above by water and the Spirit, people who have been baptized into the light of Christ. He says they are not as shrewd. We, you and I, are not as shrewd as the sons of this world. You see, we have a master as well. It's not money or success or good fortune or fame, but it is your heavenly Father who created all things and by, all, by whom all things are sustained and in whom all things have redemption. We have a master as well, but we struggle in this life to serve him with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. We struggle to be as single-minded as the people of this world are in pursuing and serving their masters. Why is that? Why is it difficult for the sons of light to be devoted to God? I think there is one very simple answer that really helps to shed light on the matter, and it's this. We tend to think of the world and our lives as being divided into two parts. There are, of course, the parts of our life that are concerned with God and things of eternity and spiritual matters. But those are very distinct, we tend to feel, from the things that are concerned with temporary, present, material things. Our day-to-day -day existence feels very different from the existence that we imagine in eternity, in the kingdom of God. And because we think of our lives being divided into two parts, we also think that it's possible for, for us to serve one master in one part of our life and another master in another part of our life. So, of course, here on a Sunday morning, with your hearts and voices, you can serve God wholeheartedly. But in the rest of your life, it's difficult to remember that you're serving God day to day, from moment to moment. It's easy to think that you ought to serve instead 
the masters of this world, who are constantly hounding you for devotion, hounding you for service, reminding you of your responsibilities. Because we think of life as being divided into two parts, it's easy to think that we can serve two masters. Jesus pulls the rug out from underneath that kind of thinking, though. You cannot, you cannot serve two masters. You will either love the one and hate the other, or hate the one and love the other. This has to do with the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. Or as Jesus puts it, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. This is the first and great commandment, and that is what this parable is about. It is a question as to whether or not you and I serve God with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind, whether we love him or the masters of this world. It is a call to repentance. For all the times that you and I have served well the masters of this world, instead of serving God, we ought to repent. We ought to acknowledge our sinfulness, confess our sins, receive God's word of forgiveness, his promise of forgiveness on account of the blood of Christ, and turn from our sin, strive to do better, live a new life in Christ, imitating him in his service of God. How is it that we learn to love God? How do we do better at serving God with our whole heart, soul, strength, and mind? It begins here, right now, here in this place. This is what you're doing. By listening to God's word, by hearing preaching out of the scriptures, by opening your Bibles and studying his word, by being devoted with one another as the body of Christ, you are learning to love God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. You are learning to serve him and no other master. When you are here receiving forgiveness, you are seeing the goodness of your master in stark contrast with the terrible character of the masters of this world who are frail and fleeting, who cannot deliver what they promise, who are going away, who are useless to you. Your master, your heavenly father, is not only useful to you, but loves you. Why serve those things that cannot love you? Serve him who does love you and has shown his love for you on the cross through Jesus Christ. How else can you serve God? How else can you attend to the love of God in Christ Jesus? It's by taking your responsibilities, by seeing your duties in this life, not based on what the world tells you you ought to do, but by taking your cue from God, by attending to the responsibilities that God gives you, the Ten Commandments, instead of the responsibilities that the world gives you. The world has a whole long list of things for you to do. Pay attention and you'll hear it all around you. It's a whole long list of things for you to do, responsibilities that you have to keep if you want to be a dutiful servant of this world. Take your cue from God. Take your responsibilities from God. Pay attention to the Ten Commandments. Pay attention to the instruction you receive in God's Word and see how you ought to live your life to serve your Master, your Heavenly Father, and not the masters of this world. I mentioned, I mentioned earlier, excuse me, that when there are two masters in play, there always comes a day of judgment. We saw that in our gospel lesson today. There was the rich man, and there was the belly of the dishonest manager. Whenever there are two masters, there always comes a day of judgment. And you're right to think about the day of judgment that will come on the last day, when every person is called to give an account for his deeds before God's throne. But there is another day of judgment that actually occurs pretty regularly in a Christian's life. Seeing that you serve your Heavenly Father, the world looks at you and it says, you're not doing a very good job of serving our masters. You're not doing a very good job of serving the masters of this world. Why is it, the world asks, why is it that you sacrifice 
your time and your energy and your attention and your relationships and your opportunities and your ease and your leisure? Why do you sacrifice those things to serve God? Why is it that you pay attention to the responsibilities he gives you and not the responsibilities that we give you? This is what the world says. Why is it that you spend your time and energy thinking about the things that are eternal and not about the things that are present and necessary right now? Why is it that you have no fear when the world threatens to disown you and discredit you and fire you? Why is it that you do not serve the masters of this world well? The world calls you to account regularly for serving God. There is regularly a day of judgment for you as Christians where the masters of this world are calling you to give an account for your deeds. This is where the dishonest manager ought to be your model. He ought not to be your model in terms of his dishonesty. You shouldn't defraud people or steal from them. But you should not care. You should not care one bit about the masters of this world and the claims that they, that they, are, that they hold on you. You should not care one bit about the responsibilities that they give to you because you have a master in heaven who loves you dearly, who is caring for you, who will care for you to the end, and who promises to, to deliver you from every evil of body and soul. Do not care one bit about what the world says to you. That, in fact, is what you've done this morning. I don't know if you thought about it this way, but as you were laying in bed this morning, it was a day of judgment. You were laying in bed and you had the option not to come to church. You had the option to hear all of those echoes in your mind about what the world says about church. It's useless. It's a waste of your time. There are much better ways you could be spending your time. It's dangerous for you to be around other people in this day and age, at this moment in time. But here you are, serving God with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. Here you are, saying to the masters of this world, I don't care one bit. I'm going to do what it takes in order to serve God. Here you are, putting the world in its place. Praise be to God that he has given you such faith, that you can serve him with your whole heart, soul, strength, and mind. Praise be to God that you have him as your master and none other. There is, of course, that other judgment day coming, that judgment day on the last day, when you will be called to give an account for all your deeds. But because you have God as your master, a heavenly father who sent his son to cover all your sins with his blood and righteousness, that judgment day will be no matter for you whatsoever. On that judgment day, the judgments of this world will all be put to shame. God will look at you, and he will not see any loss, any failure, any sin, any shame, because he will see the blood of Christ covering all your sins. And on that judgment day, he will look at you, and he will say these precious, precious words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Praise be to God that through the blood of Christ, you can have eternal glory with him, always and forever, because his love for you is so grand, so incredible, beyond comparison, beyond comprehension. To him be all glory, now and forever. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.